Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it, be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, hello there, my friends. How are you doing? And I, I could wait for a long time to hear back, but this is radio and you're only listening mode, not talking back mode. <laughs> but I do have somebody on the air with me that will be on, in a talking back mode with us. And his name is Chris Humphrey, and he is an author. And the book that we're going to be talking about is The End Time Worship Army. Now, if this sounds familiar to uh, topics that I have uh, broached in the, in the in the past is because I have a real heart cry for Davidic style worship, and when I run across other people who have a similar heart cry for uh, King David and his setting the stage for the coming of Messiah, son of David, I go, I need to pay attention to this person. So I had an opportunity to talk with Chris Humphrey um, and. Uh, get into his book called The End Time Worship Army. And my listening friend, you're in for a thrill. And so let me just introduce him now, and then we will kind of walk through the entire two hours of what we have in store for YOU. Hello, Chris. How you doing? I'm doing amazing, Kaz. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And hello, San Diego. <laughs> hello. Hello, Chris. And from whence cometh thou? <laughs> I'm up actually in the Sacramento area. Um been here the majority of my life, born and raised here. And so um, we're experiencing quite a heat wave here. Not oh, as man. bad as I know. So it, it is what it is up here. So, Oh, my, my, my. You know, when I had my, my listening friend, when I had an opportunity to discover uh, Chris and his wife and their, their heart cry for worship and praise, especially as it's tied to the tabernacle of David, and, when, and it brought to immediate recall the scripture that says, in Amos nine eleven and Acts fifteen sixteen, that God is going to build again the tabernacle of David that's fallen down and repair the breaches thereof, that the um, that God may show Himself mightily in His kids in these last days, and that's that's a promise that He is has made and He is having it come true these days. And so I thought we'd spend some time with Chris and have him give us his insights and the topic and the title of his book is remarkable. And we will use that as our springboard, the end time worship army. And the subtitle is choosing a life of worship that changes cities and nations. I love that. Chris, I told you as we began the show, I was going to blow a shofar blast and then that would be kind of a springboard. Do you mind if I do that? That's beautiful. Okay. My listening friend, get ready for a show like you've never heard before and content like you've never heard before. And unless you're driving in your car, you might want to have a notepad and pen or pencil ready because Chris is going to open up some uh, revelation that you perhaps have not considered. You know, a lot of us enjoy worshiping and praising, but to God, this is the springboard into intimacy like you can hardly even believe, but we're going to have your believer expanded <laughs> in this two-hour broadcast. So, lest I talk beyond the, beyond my uh, allowance of time, I'm going to blow the shofar, and I am going to in, invite uh, Chris to share his heart and mind. Here's a shofar blast. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
and there you go. You know, Scripture talks a lot about the shofar blast, doesn't it, Chris Humphrey? Yes, it does, and I appreciate that. That really just sent me sent me in my heart a little bit. So, <laughs> well, yeah. and in the Old Testament days, the shofar blast was kind of a beckoning to come pay close attention to what the speaker or proclaimer had to say, but it was also a declaration of warfare, and which really ties in with uh, Chris Humphrey's. Uh, topic, and that is the end-time worship army. So I'm going to hand the ball to you, uh, or baton to you, uh, Chris, and first of all, maybe start out with kind of an overview, and then jump on in wherever your heart desires, and we will uh, walk through this. We have a, my listening friend, you need to know that uh, Chris and I have a rough outline, (laughs) but as soon as Holy Spirit takes his place, we sometimes have to throw those notes away. So Chris, lay it on us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kaz. Um, I probably would just want to share a a tidbit of my own life story and why worship um, is something that has been revolutionary to my life personally before I ever really began to understand scriptures and dig into scriptures. There was a personal encounter for my life. You know, I was I spent time in um, Folsom prison. Um, completely addicted to drugs, alcohol, um, pornography, things that, you know, so many different drugs that just had my life. Um, and when I was released from, um, from Folsom prison in 2006, the summer of 2006, August 4th, um, I went to a, you know, just a incredible church that, you know, just simply they do what they do worship, but I began to, to encounter the Lord in the place of worship um, that something happened to me in deliverance and being set free by the sound of musical instruments and worship where, where Jesus was the central figure of everything that was happening in the room. And so this began to, as I realized I would, I would sit at the altars of this church and get so encountered by the presence of God that I was getting delivered of things without any minister laying hands on me or any sermon as amazing as the sermons were. It was my heart to actually dive into the presence of the Lord and engage him in um, church worship, which I'll go later on down today about what, you know, what biblical worship looks like, but what we that the, the time of the service that we call worship service with musicians, instruments of praise. Um, I, w- I got delivered from things and had experiences you know, with God and the Holy Spirit, with God, the Holy Spirit, and the person of Jesus, who I I really have become to know as the word that became flesh and the scripture and the spirit together began to reveal to me the intimate secrets of God's heart for worship and who he is to us and why worship is on his heart um, in the place of, of, of spending time with him. And so for myself, worship, before I really even knew anything about the tabernacle of David and what David established and these secret mysteries that I think a lot of people miss. I experienced divine deliverance by Yahweh himself on my face in, you know, at the altars and all these things that we think of. And it's just become buzzwords for church culture. But I began to experience that word becoming flesh by giving myself to the intimate place of worship. So That's my personal story that I think, you know, it has has delved me into this life of David and who David is. 
well, Chris, and then us connecting together. Yes, sir. So one of the things, you know, I think you identified a lot of people that go to church. We, we go to church and we just, you know, we, we get uh, thrilled by uh, worshiping and praising the Lord. And we know there's a certain time frame for this. And then we the baton is handed off to the pastor who, who teaches and then a little bit of worship at the end. But there's a revelation that God wants us to have that this worship and praise thing is God ordained. And there is tremendous power therein if we under, understand the heart behind it. And that would lead us to say, if we understand the, the mentality and the heart cry of King David, we can understand how he's setting the stage for the coming of Messiah. What they, in, in Hebrew, they say, Messiah ben David, son of David. So set the stage about how David and King David of old sets the stage and prepares us for the coming of the son of David, Messiah himself. We've got about a couple yeah. of minutes left in this segment. Yeah, I see that. So, you know, Kaz, for me, David was, you know, I mean, there, there's a reason why um, the, the Holy Scripture actually devotes, um, first of all, nearly basically a book and a half. You have the entire, you know, half, basically half the book of First Samuel and then the full book of Second Samuel, and then even leading in through Kings, First Kings. You know, that there's a reason for that precedent that I believe the Holy Spirit, through the divine writers of the Scripture, put that much of an emphasis on this one man that has begun to unveil for myself um, this mystery of who Messiah is. And even in the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David, which there's so much in scripture, but um, I think one of the things that God has placed on my heart most, you know, in realizing the importance of David is what he grasped in an old covenant reality that went far beyond even the new covenant, even into the age to come through what he established in his heart before he was ever king. He was a, 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 a shepherd in the field sing, singing love songs to God. <laughs> and he, cap, he, he captured the heart of God in a very severe warfare mode of a nation that was in deep warfare under King Saul. But yet God found a lover in the sheep fields and he chose in his divine eternal realm to actually to build this 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 house mm. of David that actually that, that God himself in the person of Yeshua would actually choose to inhabit and to be the forerunner, David's life, a forerunner for yes. a, a picture of the new covenant church. Yes, and yes. So there's a mystery to unveil in this cat that I think is like, you know, in two hours, we'll, we'll just touch it. <laughs> we're we're going to scratch the surface. Wet our appetite. Exactly. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, Chris, you had an interesting comment. You talked about capture the heart of God in the midst of turbulent times back in those days. But my friends, look in the newspaper, look, or don't look in the newspaper, just sense what's going on in the world today uh, in, uh, in, radio and television and everything else, there, there's a lot of evil coming against God's kids. And God wants us to capture the heart of worship because when we do that, then it changes the rules for us. And so uh, Chris Humphrey uh, is going to use the pages of his book entitled The End Time Worship Army to set the stage for you and I to become equipped as worshipers like never before because we have a battle like never before. And the solution is not only in the pages of Scripture, but it is in the very pages of your heart. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment. So, Chris, stay with us, and we're going to talk a lot more about defining what worship is from a heart perspective when Chris Humphrey of the End Time Worship Army and Kaz come right back. 
This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Scooba-doo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo. Hello, my friends. Kaz here. And, you know, uh, I love doing this show. It puts a song in my heart, but also the topic puts a song in my heart as well. And I have a, a man who has a song in his heart as well. And we're both intending to shake it loose. And so we're using this broadcast to shake it loose all over you. So Chris Humphrey is the author of a book called The End Time Worship Army. And the subtitle is Choosing a Life of Worship that Changes Cities and Nations. So, Chris, we spent a little time in the first segment talking a little bit about introducing King David. I'd like to hand the baton to you early on here so you can define what worship is from your Davidic perspective. And, uh, you know, David really understood the heart of worship. We understand the logistics of worship. We go in and we sing a few songs and we pass the offering plate and pastor the pastor teaches and we all head out to McDonald's. <laughs> But but the truth of the matter is, it's a much deeper thing than that, and it's it should be ingrained in our hearts. So I'm going to hand the baton to you, Chris, and talk a little bit about uh, um, the definition of worship from a Davidic standpoint as God has stirred you and your beloved wife, uh, Alicia, to uh, teach and minister this. Chris Humphrey. Yeah, you know, Kaz, I think... Um, one of the things, like I said, my first experiences in worship was during what what we call worship in the you know in a church service or a Sunday service, and um, so it, what, what, in those encounters with the musical instruments, you know, a lot of times we you know we if we're not careful, we define worship at that portion of the church service where you know everybody's lifting their hands or whatever form. Um, or denomination you're in, it's that portion of a church service. But the deeper we delve into this, you know, that I believe we capture the heart of worship um, is by looking at the biblical definition, even um, that can be found in the original Hebrew language and the, the Greek language of the New Testament. And also, you know, a lot of the, the at that time, the, the church at large would read from an overall Greek Bible, what was called the Septuagint Bible. Yes. Um, the, the Hebrew word for worship is, is, is shaka or hawe, and it literally is defined by saying to bow down and to do obeisance, which literally would be like the, 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 the way they would do this in the ancient world, in the ancient culture, is they would literally with their knees on the ground and their forehead would touch the, touch the ground with their arms spread out. It was an, it was an act of submission. And it literally is defined as to bow down, to do obeisance. And the significant thing that I've, I've, been revealed to me is it actually finishes by saying in the presence of one who is superior to you. And so the, the Greek counterpart says, which is Greek proskuneo um, is the exact same definition, but even the, the, the way that that word proskuneo literally, literally translated is to kiss and it denotes physical intimacy. My. So in our, in the, the, the biblical definition of worship, I truly believe is is it only happens in the presence of Yahweh God. Biblical worship, true worship of what we know it to be, is not about a, a, a portion of church service with the musicians. 
but it is the revelation of God himself who actually begins to, as scripture says, inhabits praise, or he inhabits those moments when we begin to lift up a praise to the Lord, that God himself begins to inhabit this, this act. And it's something that he, I believe, from the very beginning of time, of creating all the created beings, is it something that he receives? There's something created within all of creation. Even creation worships God because there's something innately within us that God himself chooses to actually reveal who he is in his divine eternity. And it opens the eyes of our understanding. And the response to the revelation of who he is, is what I believe true biblical worship is. Oh man, that that's so, oh, it, it totally does. And when you take the word inhabit, that God inhabits the praises of his people, we need to graft that or fuse that into our spirits and go, you know, what does that mean? God is actually inhabiting uh, 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 us with his presence as we worship and praise him. If we understood the depth of that, that promise, then we understand how to combat the anxieties and the fears and things like that, that we face every day. And if we have a heart of worship as David did, people like uh, Goliath, are irrelevant (laughs) because God is in us and with us and empowering us. I'm going to hand the baton back to you, Chris. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and for myself, like, you know, what David captured in the sheep fields, I believe in establishing a 24 seven praise worship, whatever we want to call it. It was the least because of a, a, an experience he had with the divine realm of what we would call the throne room or heaven or whatever is happening within this this realm that the book of revelations and ezekiel and isaiah actually had these 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 momentary encounters of the dwelling place of god that that i believe you know as i said worship only happens in the revelation of who god is and we can't no matter how much we study fast pray or do what we do um the revelation of God is only comes when he chooses to reveal himself to the deep inward man. The apostle Paul says it this way. His prayer was that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened so that we could know him and we oh could know the power of his, of his, resur- you know, of his resurrection. So there's, I, I just, I, my definition of worship and I don't, you know, it goes beyond just mine, but I believe God's heart for worship is that we would position our lives, we would position our hearts to actually get out of our own intellect and actually posture our hearts in this place of, as it says, to bow down, to do obeisance. It signifies this fully surrendered, obedient life laid down and in the presence of God. And then in that, he chooses to open the eyes of our understanding and everything inside of us responds to the glory of what he is revealing to us. It's nothing we can do in ourselves. We can read, we can pray that positions our heart. As we read, we pray, we fast, we do all those things in our Christian walk, but God desires in his love and in, in his amazing um, character to actually to to step into our to our acts of whatever we think we're doing to get God's attention. <laughs> yes, yes. Really, we've ha- we've had God's attention, and in His pleasure, the Bible says in Revelation four eleven, 
that for all things, for God's pleasure, all things are created for him, you know, and that's what the, the, the seraphim and the cherubim actually sing this song saying for your pleasure, all creation exists mm. for your, there's something that God takes pleasure in our response. When he chooses to reveal the divinity of God to us, when he chooses to reveal himself, his divine attributes, everything inside of us just screams out. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Chris, and, and, and he, he takes pleasure in that. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but, but wouldn't you say that that requires us to take a new look at the whole idea of praise and worship? And in other words, right now, our mentality may be, you know, okay, we go to church, we're going to listen to a few songs, we're going to hear the pastor teach and preach, and then there's going to, you know, offerings and things like that. But when we realize that this, this is it's much more serious than just a passive few songs and familiar lyrics, this is an engagement or a fusion between God and his kids. And if we don't treat it with the reverence that it deserves, we're not only missing the mark, but we may be um, uh, guilty in, in many ways of, you know, you know, having an imperfect heart as we worship and praise. God says, I'm looking for you to have a, a, a heart like David had a heart after me. And so we really need to rethink our times in uh, worshipful environments where, where it, this is important for us to do this thing with the right heart attitude, right? Yes, it is. I mean, you know, to me, that's why Jesus himself quoted, um, and he quoted from both the, the prophet Ezekiel and Isaiah. He says, you guys don't realize you worship me according to the traditions of men. Even though your lips are giving me praise, your hearts are far from me. And so I believe, you know, God is, God looks at the heart. Like we can be doing all the outward stuff. I mean, how often do every single one of us, we're all guilty of it, but we go through the motions of opening up our Bibles, going to church, even raising our hands in some of the more, you know, uh, you know, more charismatic churches or however (laughs) we think we're, we're being expressive. You know, David danced so hard that his clothes fell off, but he didn't do that because he was trying to put on a show. He did it because he was responding to the fact that God is coming into the city of Jerusalem. And I don't give a, I don't give a rip who's watching. I am going to give all of my being to Yahweh because he's worthy of more. This is the least I can give is the fullness of me, my life, my everything. And so thus we often in our, in our casualness, in our, 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 our lightheartedness of the, the opportunity God gives us in positioning our hearts to actually step into the throne room of heaven and just say, God, I want to know you. And then in that, he takes pleasure and then chooses to reveal his divine attributes to our deep in our inner man that none of us are ready for what he wants to show us, but he does it anyway. And oh everything inside of us responds to the revelation. And I'm sure everybody listening could understand this, these, these, and, and, and it's not like it happens every day in our lives, but our, our, our discipline, our discipleship positions our hearts for God to choose any time during the day. I have a lot of my times with Jesus on my job site. I do, I work in construction and there's times I got to like lay everything down <laughs> because he, he's like oh kind of knocking on the door of my heart saying, I want to show you me. Will you take time for a second to step aside from your busyness and let me reveal who I am? And in that revelation, everything inside of me just throws caution to the wind and says, Lord, you are worthy. Thank (laughs) you for letting me see you 
only you could show me who you are. Only the spirit is crying out the deep things of God. Oh, and so that, this to me, the heart of worship, the, 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 the biblical worship, and this is what Jesus said to the woman at the well, it's the crux of why God had me write this book, is that the Father is seeking for worshipers. He's not. He doesn't care about our giftings. He's not seeking for apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, or teachers, anointed musicians, or anything. He's looking for worshipers. Mm. And Jesus revealed this to the woman at the well. And, and, and I think a sobering thought is Jesus says, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know because salvation is of the Jews. But really what he was revealing to this woman is nobody really knows the father like I know him, but I came to reveal the father and the father is seeking for worshipers that will just let him reveal the glory of who he is. And in this this act, this transaction of worship, we begin to be transformed into that same likeness by mm. beholding him as in a mirror, his glory. The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, we're transformed into that same image, that same likeness from glory to glory. Hallelujah. And Cre- so there's something within our, our, our salvation that we're missing by being too busy to actually just take time to worship. Oh my. Chris Humphrey, I guess you can tell this man is sold out for the Lord and his wife as well. We're talking with Chris Humphrey. He's a remarkable author and uh, a multifaceted guy. He's the author of a book called The End Time Worship Army. Choosing a Life of Worship That Changes Cities and Nations. In the next segment, we're going to take what he's set up here and talk about it from, you know, the Bible talks about uh, uh, first the natural and after that, that which is the spiritual. God, throughout his scripture, has given us natural illustrations of this worship, and uh, that's to help us comprehend where he wants us to go with it. So in the next segment, we're going to talk a little bit about worship in the wilderness and how that set the stage for the children of Israel to manifest his glory in worship, but also sets the stage for those of us uh, tied to the New Testament to do the same thing. We're going to talk about that and much more when Chris Humphrey of the End Time Worship Army and Kaz come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Frank Harper, pastor in North County. We need more of God this time than we've ever needed him before. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. How are you doing? I think you're doing a lot better now that you realize the topic that we're talking about on this Come Together San Diego broadcast and how it relates to you, but not only how it relates to you, but how it is destined to empower you with the presence of God in ways that you have not even yet imagined. My co-host for this entire two-hour broadcast is the author of the book called The End Time Worship Army, or Choosing a Life of Worship That Changes Cities and Nations. I think that change happens from within your heart before we can actually impact the cities and nations. His name is Chris Humphrey. How you doing, Chris? I'm amazing. I'm amazing. I'm excited to be on with you. I can testify to that. He is amazing as well. I agree. So my listening friend, we're setting the stage here. You know, a lot of times we who are living in, you know, New Testament mentality, we use kind of the Old Testament just to kind of support our New Testament thoughts. 
but that wasn't so in the early church. They had they used the Old Testament thoughts because they didn't have any written scripture at that time, and they used those to springboard into new things. And the master of doing that is a guy named the Apostle Paul. And uh, he really was a man who uh, captured a phrase, in, um, uh, and, in, and the author of the book of Acts to Luke, there's a phrase that's called the church in the wilderness, the ecclesia in the wilderness. We, in, in uh, modern-day terms, we identify the ecclesia as the called-out ones in the New Testament. We're the called-out ones, but the actual reference to that in the church in the wilderness was talking about Moses and the children in the wilderness. And, uh, and so we realize that we owe much of our understanding of worship and praise with uh, what Moses and the prophets and the patriarchs did back then to set the stage for right now. So uh, I'm just thrilled to have Chris Murphy. I'm going to hand the uh, Humphrey. I said Murphy. I apologize, Chris Humphrey. Uh, well, I'm going to hand the baton to him and allow him to talk a little bit about how God has set the stage for this worship. We we just a lot of times we just dwell in the New Testament. We need to hang around in the Old Testament as well because the Old Testament sets the stage for the new, and the old and the new together set the stage for the now. So I'm going to hand it off to you, Chris. Lay it on us. Yeah, thank you, Kaz. Um, for myself, this chapter, um, this chapter and this portion is what I believe is, is something that that every believer needs to walk through, and that's a personal wilderness, you know. And we get the picture of of God calling Israel out of Egypt, and He tells Pharaoh, you know, a lot of people think God delivered Egypt to protect them to the Promised Land, but really. He declares to Pharaoh, let my people go so that I can bring them into the wilderness to worship me. Mm, say that again. That's repeatable. Yes. Well, God, God's intention, his ultimate intention was not to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. As much as the land is holy and amazing, we know that in Jesus will come back to the holy land at his second coming. His ultimate heart was he told Pharaoh, let my people go so they can come into the wilderness three days and worship me. God's heart was to bring the children of Israel to himself before he ever brought them to the promised land. Oh my. But what the, but what the wilderness is in the, in, in the, the picture it is to us, which we see in the life of David, which I, I, I think his life mirrors the picture, which I believe for all of us, what Israel did happen to Israel first in the wilderness is the suffering and the, the, what, what we, I believe gets, attempted to be pulled out of the gospel is the cross, the suffering. Even Jesus was, when he was baptized with the Holy spirit, the spirit himself led him into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days. Wow. In fact, in some versions, it says drove him into the wilderness. In other words, it wasn't a casual come on with me for this walk. It was a matter of this is one of the requirements for you to, uh, to prepare the way for the cross, but also to prepare the way for your church and know the challenges that they're going to be facing as well. <laughs> Go ahead. Exactly. Chris. And so I, I think that, I think that we, we, in our discipleship, especially with mothers and fathers in the body of Christ right now, we need to encourage people to, we, we need to encourage people to embrace the cross, to embrace the wilderness season that we all got to go through. David was only the king he was because of what he suffered under the tyranny of Saul, ducking spears, having to hide in the wilderness in the midst of, of a trial where he literally at times in the book of Psalms, he was almost praying to die. He was, My. he was singing these songs to God from the, the depths of his pain. And yet 
in that God developed a man after his own heart that eventually was ready to lead the people of God because he was dead to himself. And so I think worship becomes um, this, this, this resting place for our hearts where we're not trying to get on stages. We're not trying, you know, Moses, before Moses was ready to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, he spent 40 years himself in the desert. At 40 years old, Moses rose up in his own strength, killed an Egyptian man, buried him in the sand, and then told his people, you know, through Stephen, it reveals this in the book of Acts, that Moses thought in his heart that his people would have understood God was eventually going to use him to be a deliverer. But he rose up in his own strength, rose up in his own ability, thinking that I'm just this this amazing guy and I'm going to deliver everybody. But God saw a different picture where he needed to take him through the wilderness for 40 years to actually crucify everything inside of himself that was dependent on his own giftings and anointing to actually be the vessel God wanted to lead the children of Israel out of the wilderness to himself. Wow. Chris Humphrey, I'm sensing that this is, that you're presenting a message, not only of things that happened in times past, but also right squarely in the heart and lives of everybody that's listening to this broadcast. And many of us feel like we're in wildernesses in many ways as well. So we've got about one minute left in this segment. So would you set the stage for the next segment? And also, would you just be the voice of an encouraging word to our, our friends that are listening, uh, that uh, they're in a godly place if they use it properly? And then we will transition from commercial into the next segment. Yeah, absolutely. I would just encourage people to embrace the cross, embrace the season we're living in right now, because God is raising up an end-time worship army. He doesn't need our giftings or anointings. He wants our hearts to worship Him and to be a light in the midst of darkness for what's coming so that we can prepare our cities and our nation for the coming of Messiah, that they would see a people so in love with Jesus, no matter how dark it gets. And the wilderness will develop that in us to be a people that still worships him, even in the pain. And that's what the world needs right now. They don't need our anointing. They need people that have suffered and invite them into a God that will, that will help them in their suffering and actually reveal himself and deliver them through it. Wow. Wow. Chris Humphrey, author of the end time worship army, my listening friend, the things that we read about and are reading about in scripture, they're not just passive stories. They're things we need to apply now because God is wanting us to use what we've learned for these last days. And he wants to empower us in the things that are written there and how to abide in the truths that God has given us from scripture because he's got great big plans for us. And Chris Humphrey and I are going to talk about that and so much more when we return. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome back to Come Together San Diego, and welcome back to a commanding topic. You know, I'm a lover of uh, Israel, and really, my studies about uh, Israel were tied to my love for the Old Testament and New Testament, in particular about a little place called the City of David, right in the heart of Jerusalem. And uh, that is the site where the Tabernacle of David was constructed back in David's day on a mountain called Jebus, then became known as the Mount called Zion. And uh, so God wants to build again that tabernacle worship structure, which was 724. And when I see other people that have a similar heart cry for understanding this uh, continual, unending worship from inside out, 
I'm drawn to them. And one such person is the author of The End Time Worship Army and Choosing a Life of Worship that Changes Cities and Nations. And it really is tied to the Davidic heart cry. And so Chris Humphrey is with us, and he will be with us for the uh, through this hour and, the, and through the next hour as well. Uh, Chris, I uh, you're my co-host on the show, so I want to give you the opportunity to carry this wherever you want to take it here in the closing of the first hour. It goes fast, doesn't it? It really does, Kaz. <laughs> it does indeed. Well, before you go any further, just give me a, a website or an access uh, for your book, how people can find out more about your book. And what? Yes, even order it. Yeah, you know, Kaz, I, we, you can go to our website, like if people would want to sign copy. Um, our, our ministry is called Night and Day Global Ministries. Um, so you can go to nightanddayglobal.org and just go to contact us um, and we can send you a book. We it's, it's a brand new website. We have yet to establish a store on there. Um, but for anybody else that would want an ebook form, uh, you know, in the, the digital form or um, just order copies, you can go to Amazon.com or you can get it on iTunes or whatever platform you use to get the book there. Okay. And it's just simply the End Time Worship Army. Type my name in or the End Time Worship Army and it's there for you. And the name is Chris, C-H-R-I-S Humphrey, H-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y. Yes, sir. Very good. Well, okay, co-host, where would you like to take this segment to set the stage for the last hour? You know, Kaz, I, I, I'm, the last segment is we talked about worship in the wilderness. Um, you know, the next phase that, that, that continues with this thought is what, you know, a, a series of chapters. I think it's two chapters in my book that's on the fruit of worship um, and what, what, what worship looks like and what would be the, the initial fruit of our, a lifestyle of worship. And again, it's like, you know, my heart in this, in the end time worship army, comes from this revelation that Jesus revealed to the woman at the well, that the father is looking for worshipers. When God looked down the corridors of eternity at the very beginning, and he created us to be sons and daughters. His ultimate heart in everything is that, that all of his creation would actually have a sound. They would have something that when he chose to reveal who he is, that the response of all creation, humans, and even the, the scripture tells us in Psalms that all of creation praises God, the, the, earth, the, the moon, the earth, the stars, yes. they all have this sound and a song and, and something within them in their created being that when God reveals his attributes, it, it, it has a, a, a sound that comes from them that actually God takes pleasure in. Mm, yes, 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 yes. And the rocks and, and cry so out. Yeah, the, yes, the, the yes, all nature, Jesus. you know. Yep, yeah, there, there, there's, there's something within all of creation that God takes pleasure in, the worship that comes from them. Now, now intellectually, we can't grasp that until you actually come into this, this posture of worship that then God opens our eyes to see this, you know. And within the, the fruit of our worship, there's something that that we we learn about who God is and then we bring forth fruit and see in John and Jesus says in John 15 7 through 8 he says if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask whatever you want and it will be done for you and he says herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit yes so shall you be my disciples and so this this portion of of you know, what God gave to me in, in, in the book is this, this reality of myself. I've been in ministry for, you know, 14 years now. I um, was a youth pastor starting off. Um, and 
as a as a young minister, I really fell into the trap of what I was sharing this portion of thinking because I had gifting and anointing on my life that somehow my my fruit to God was the works of my ministry. Say that again, Versus. because a lot of people, I have to say, Chris, I think you're hitting on a real vital point right here. A lot of people in our, we, we live our lives and we go, okay, God's got to give me a calling or a gifting and I'm working in that and that should be sufficient. That's just setting the stage for the big, bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah. And so, and so Psalm 103.7 says this, Israel knew the Lord's works, but Moses knew his ways. Ooh, one of my and wife's so, favorite so, scriptures. Even though Israel saw the, 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 the works of God, they literally over and over again, when it came, when the rubber met the road and the suffering of their wilderness time brought forth um, pain and suffering in those moments of weakness and brokenness, all they could do was complain. Moses, on the other hand, actually had endured 40 years already and came to a place where the character that was developed in his wilderness trials actually endured to where Moses so much said, I don't even care. Don't send us to the promised land if you're not going with us. If your present isn't, presence isn't with us, don't send us. And so this is a trap that I, that I have fallen into that I share with so many people that I get a chance to be a, a father to in discipleship to not fall into the trap that just because you're successful in what you're doing and God moving through you, the fruit of our lives, according to Galatians, is that, that the fruit of the Spirit is our character. And character is developed and it's forged in the fiery trials of life, but giftings are for free. God can speak <laughs> to a donkey if he wants to. God can speak to a donkey in the Scripture. God can speak and do many things through whatever. He can speak through creation but ultimately, God is after the fruit of a life that is so surrendered. Jesus said, except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And so I think a generation needs to embrace this reality that it's the fruit of our lives, that it's the character of God. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of God, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, wow. faith, faithfulness, meekness temperance, self-control, these things that bring forth that the Father doesn't take pleasure in our works if it doesn't glorify Him and reveal who He is to a lost and a dying world. Oh my, my. Chris, there's a, there's a scripture, I've been meditating on it, and you don't hear this very much, and you just brought it up and that made me smile. I think it's in Philippians, it says that I may know Him and the, the, um, the power of the resurrection, that I may know Him and the fellowship of His suffering— Ha, ha, ha. We, we Christians, especially New Testament believers, we go, nah, he suffered for us and we embrace that. But there's a level of coming alongside of him and having the compassion to understand what he went through, which empowers us as well. And that is so true. You know, we can get into the lackadaisicality of, you know, I've got gifts and gifts and talents and things like that, and I'll just do these things. And when Jesus comes, it'll be just wonderful. Jesus has a church. He wants us to become worship warriors. And so yes. we, we have to have an understanding of the of the hard times as well as the blessed times. Handing it back to you, we've got about two minutes in this segment, and then we'll close it and we'll we have a whole hour to uh, carry it further. Chris yes, Humphrey. Sir. You know what what one of the scriptures that I I believe has brought forth a genuine fear of the Lord in my heart and actually helped me to we we must live in the scope of eternity with eternity on mind, not just this present world, but when we live with eternity on our mind. So Matthew seven twenty one through 23, 
Jesus in his his in finishing the Sermon on the Mount, one of his most powerful scriptures, he says, Hey, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out many demons and we did many Ooh, marvelous works in your name? And he will look at them on that day, on that day, the day of the Lord, that the judgment seat of Christ where all believers will be brought to. And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me because you only work to lawlessness. And this has been for myself, Kaz. I have, you know, in, in ministry, I have seen amazing things and it's left me empty. And now that I'm actually have learned to actually live with the scope of eternity on my heart, that when I stand before him on that day, if I do nothing in his name, but yet I have known him intimately, which that term know is an intimate knowledge. Mm. It is a worshipful knowledge where that's, that's what I long to hear on that day. All the, all the, the works of ministry that will be successful in, and we will be successful because God will be glorified. I don't want to stand before him on that day. And so for me, the fruit of, of, of a life given in worship is that I have embraced the cross for his name to glorify Jesus. And the fruit of my life will actually bring forth an aroma that glorifies Yeshua, not myself, not my ministry, not anything. And I would walk away from everything knowing that Jesus will be glorified in that. And that when I stand before him on that day, he'll be pleased. Oh my, my listening friend, uh, is this encouraging you to say, yeah, I want to be there. I want to do that as well. Well, Chris and I have discussed these kind of things, and we believe that God has given us some nuances on how to help you get there. And we're going to spend some time in this last hour to talk about that as I engage the insights of the author of The End Time Worship Army, Chris Humphrey. We will talk about these things and do not go away. We will be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends. We're back again on Come Together San Diego, the second hour. The first hour kind of went fleetingly, but I think it set the stage. We're talking about praise and worship, not from our perspective towards God, but God's perspective towards us. It's always a good idea to understand God's intent behind stirring us to worship and praise. And when we understand his value in it, then we realize that uh, this is something that we need to have as a, a lifestyle for the rest of our life because God inhabits our praises. We want him to inhabit us uh, forevermore. So my co-host on this two-hour broadcast is the author of The End Time Worship Army, Chris Humphrey. How are you doing, Chris? I'm having a lot of fun, Kat. Yeah, I am too. You know, I want you to to gear up and be prepared because I'm going to have you uh, take full uh, your, your pleasure on this last hour and craft it however you want. But I need to take care of a little business, so bear will, with me, will you? And my listening friend, I want to share something with you. So I want to talk to you a little bit about a Deeper Faith Alaska cruise, and you can sign in and sign up for that right now. Basically, it's a travel to the uh, uh, Alaska with the deeper, uh, an organization called the Deeper Faith Cruise and uh, the teacher is Alistair Begg, and it's going to be August 28th through 
September 4th, 2021. Uh, it's an opportunity for you and uh, others to experience Alaska from the comfort and luxury of a cruise ship and travel uh, between uh, the different Alaskan areas and uh, explore the spectacular uh, ports. My my brother lives up in Ketchikan, and so I've had a little chance to taste of that. It's remarkable. I want you to also expect to enjoy some fellowship with other believers on uh, this in, environment. You'll have world-class dining, worship with uh, Laura Story and Michael O'Brien, and most importantly, it'll give you an opportunity to deepen your faith as you study Scripture with them. Uh, one-time uh, lifetime travel experience hosted by the Salem Media Group. That's us and our partners, the Inspiration Cruises and Tours. And you can find out more about that by going to a place called kprz.com. <laughs> I guess you know that, kprz.com. Okay, Chris Humphrey, where you want to go with this last uh, hour here? Um, we, we've set the stage. I love that. And uh, now it's time that people are going to be asking these questions about who, why, what, where, when, and how, and how me. I'm going to hand the baton to you, Chris Humphrey. Yeah, absolutely, Kaz. You know, the, the first hour was really the first half of my book, um, which which is true biblical worship. You know, it went through the, the half of the book was basically deeply rooted in establishing through Scripture what what worship is from God's perspective, from the heart of God to the heart of man. And the second half is actually now the practicals of the end time worship army, you know, because I truly believe we're living in the last days. I think most of us understand that we might not have the theology of it, but what God is looking, God knew from the beginning when he looked down the corridors in eternity, he knows the end from the beginning and what this last hour is going to look like and the people who will be at the forefront of this army. And so I, I start off in this by calling what I call the Davidic generation. You know, and I think the life of David, you know, the, 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 the incredible thing about the, the story of David is you can't understand David without Saul, knowing who King Saul was as, the, as Israel's first king. And they, you know, the scripture devotes almost half the book of 1 Samuel to Saul's life before they introduce David's life. And one of the things that I've, I've gained in what, what it's going to look like in the last days, I believe David's life is so incredible to reveal what God is looking for, what is on God's heart, a man after God's own heart that reveals to us what is on God's heart for, through every generation. But even ultimately, God does nothing without the end in mind. He has something that has been on his heart from the beginning and everything he's done. I, as a builder, understand the need of of having blueprints in order to be a builder, to know what the end is going to look like. And if I veer off the blueprints, I'm veering off. And thus God is the chief architect of all things. And so the life of David, it hit the picture of in the midst of, of, of a King that was demonized and underneath the regime of King Saul. And yet God found a man in the midst of this hour in the sheep fields singing love songs to him in one of the darkest hours for Israel. The, the fire had gone out. Samuel, they had rejected the leadership of the prophet Samuel, and they wanted a king for themselves. They were looking towards some regime to lead them. And the picture of this is so, I believe, can, can help us as the body of Christ in the last hour to understand we need to stop looking for man to be the solution. And we need to turn our hearts back to the Lord and become this worshiping army, become a people that is no longer looking for leadership of man, but actually turning our hearts fully back to Yahweh himself and to become a bride made ready. 
in David's life of being a man that was marked by God in the midst of a very severe warfare. And yet he could slay Goliath. He could be brought into the king's chambers, play on his harp and cast out a demon through the sound of his music. Wow. And yet he was a, he was a chief general in Saul's army married Saul's daughter and yet they, they sang songs saying David could slay his 10,000s and Saul only his thousands. But yet what made David a man after God's own heart was not the fact that he could slay giants and slay, you know, his 10,000s, but that he was a man that literally desired the presence of the Lord. He was a man after God's own heart, so much so that his first act as king, he calls the generals, he calls all the leaders of the army together. And I mean, I can see this, I'd, like my heart gets, gets swelled up because I could picture these generals, these, these, these leaders that were warriors, commanders of a hundred, commanders of thousands, ready to go. Now they've been waiting for this King David that had been prophesied through Samuel. They'd gone through lots of suffering with David, and now he is king, and he gathers all of the warriors with swords in their hands that are mighty warriors and says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. My first act is king. And I'm sure they're thinking like, okay, now we're going to now we're finally going to extend Israel. We're going to do this warfare. We're going to kill the Philistines. We're tired of all these enemies of Israel. He said, my first act is king. We're going to go get the Ark of the Covenant and we're going to establish 24-7 worship in Israel <laughs> as my first act is king. Oh my, and I'm my. sure these 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 warriors would be like, "What in the world? Like, where would you call us with our swords ready to fight?" But you established the biggest worship service that Israel has ever seen in their history of the entire nation, taking the Ark of the Covenant and marching it across the land and establishing a place of twenty four seven worship. Which I believe is such a oh, picture yeah, for us yes, in this yes. last hour. Exactly, it's Chris, on Chris, God's heart. Absolutely, yes, Chris, Chris Humphrey. One one of one of the things that really stirs me about David, and I've been tracking him for decades, and it is he had the kingly authority, but he had a level of humility that made him, his humility made him the most dangerous. It's because it was not like, uh, you know, I'm the king and whatever I say goes. He, he, really, he really had partnership. If you looked at him in the tabernacle of David in the different priests and, and, and priestly positions, uh, and, and the different worshipers and things like that that were involved, and also in administration, he 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 gave a lot of freedom to the people whom he put into uh, positions of responsibility. And he also, when uh, there was an instance when he was going from one location to another, and a person was jeering at him walking down the path, and uh, the the you know his mighty army goes, "Should we snuff this guy out?" And he says, "No, don't snuff this guy out. He he may there may be some valid things that he's saying. Let's let's see whether these things come to fruition or not. Leave him alone. And you know, you got a king here who's the king of an entire nation, and he's saying, no, leave this person alone for now. Uh, I mean, there's a level of humility there that many kings of the earth would do just the opposite. They would snuff somebody out if they're standing in." the way. And so King David carried the the mantle, but you know what happened is when pe- when the people saw this, they could give uh, Saul the credit for killing thousands, but David hadn't killed tens of thousands when they said that. He was just, you know, d- doing his army things, but they accredited to him these things because of his heart for God. I'll let hand it back Come to on. you. We've got uh, a minute or so in this segment and then we will leap into the next segment after the commercial break. Chris Humphrey. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think the one thing we can learn from the life of David as a generation in the last days 
is that David was never enticed by the power of his position as king. He, he actually could take the kingly mantle off, put on the priestly garments and worship the Lord in baseness and in humility. And I think we need that in this last hour. He was a mighty warrior. He is, and, and, and Jesus is coming back as a warrior king. But it was the humility of a man after God's own heart that revealed to us that he never cared about the place and position that God had given him, even though it was amazing. He only wanted the presence and he prioritized oh, that. And we can you. learn that. We can learn that in this last hour, no matter how much the enemy would try to put us into positions that we actually keep the heart of David, which ultimately is the heart of Yeshua, the heart of God. Yes, yes, yes. That Take, we, we, we care more about him than the positions that God gives us. Yes, yes. Chris, Chris Humphrey, would you take 30 seconds and pray this into our listening friends before we take a break? And then we're going to come back and uh, expand on this further. So uh, a declaration from you to our listening friends. Yeah, Father, I just pray, Lord, that every listening ear, Lord, embraces the the heart that you desire inside of us, Lord, that, Lord, even though you could trust David with the kingdom of Israel, your people, you saw in David a man that would never bow his knee to the God of this age, but would continue to lead your people into your presence and take off every crown, every mantle that he wore and lead your people to you, King Jesus. And we ask this for the people listening in Jesus name. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lessons in humility through the life and times of King David to be in the life of times of his church these days. This discussion is going to continue when the author of the End Time Worship Army, Chris Humphrey and Kaz, come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. And welcome back, my friends, to an engaging topic, worship and praise from a Davidic perspective will prepare you for what God wants to do in these days. And look in the mirror. It's not going to be him doing it and you spectating. It's going to be him doing it with and through you and uh, understanding the tabernacle of David and Davidic worship is something that's going to impact you greatly. And we have to help share this insight. The author of the book called The End Time Worship Army, Chris Humphrey. I'm going to hand it off to you and wherever you want to take it. I, the, the topic of this segment you had called Burning Ones, I find that very enticing. But I'm going to hand the baton to you, Chris Humphrey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kaz. Um, you know, this, this topic slash chapter in my book, um, was kind of birthed out of a season of my life, um, you know, early on before we were youth pastoring where we would have seasons of 40 days, um, 40 days of, of fasting. And um, I would wake up at, at midnight. I would set my alarm for midnight and just, I would want to spend an hour with the Lord. Oftentimes, to be honest, it would be like five minutes. And before I knew it, I'd be asleep and then wake up, you know, like <laughs> one o'clock and, you know, and just like, Oh God, but yet that five minutes was enough to stir something inside of me. But during one of these nights, the Lord just began to speak to me over and over again, where he would just say, I'm raising up a generation of burning ones whose sole desire is to burn in my presence. And from this place of burning, I'm going to release my presence into the earth. And so that began to stir inside of me because at that time we would get together with friends and, and, and we would just begin to open the scriptures. And, and Kaz, it was like our hearts were on fire, like the men on the road to Emmaus. 
where we would just begin to talk about Jesus and our hearts would burn on fire inside. And it was like, it was like physically at times where we felt like we were so excited about Jesus. And so we, we began to joke around and call each other the burning ones. But I began to, as the Lord always does on these journeys, he starts us off with language like that. And then I began to seek out, what is this like burning ones? Like, I know this is what the Lord spoke to me. And then he led me to Isaiah chapter six, which is one of my most favorite scriptures. Um, has, has become one of the, the most fiery passions inside of me to share the Isaiah six mandate of what the scripture calls these, these angelic beings, these, these divine beings that Isaiah saw around the throne room that is called the seraphim. But the translation, the direct translation of these words, of, of this word, of these divine beings is actually be on fire ones or the, the, the burning ones. Um, even more, um, you know, more accurately translated, the fiery flying serpents. And so Isaiah has this encounter, and I think God, and what God was, has, has birthed inside of me is that God is raising up a generation of people, cats that actually are not afraid. Our God is the consuming fire and a people that are not afraid to draw near to God and to burn with him in his holy fire. And this picture of these seraphim, I believe, is one of the greatest pictures because the scripture says in Isaiah 6 that they are, and, and, and Isaiah heard this, this worship going on around the throne where these beings are crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is filled with his glory. They're not saying the whole earth will be filled. They're saying the whole earth is mm. filled with his glory. Good catch. That's at, great. At the sound of their worship, at the sound of what they are gazing into in the eternity of God and what they are declaring, it says at the sound of their voices, the doorposts in heaven shook. And so to me, this, this is a revelation of the power of our worship. When we get out of what we think is a worship service, and we position our hearts to divine revelation, and we gaze at God, we join together with these fiery, burning, um, divine beings in the presence of God, and what's already happening 24-7 around his throne, gazing into God. And these, and it says, in the year that King Isaiah died, Isaiah has this encounter. And so for me, this picture of an end-time army, Kaz, is that no matter how dark it gets, if you if you position yourself to abide in the throne room of heaven in the place of worship and you gaze into God and you see what's on his heart. You have the true prophetic perspective because they're, they're, they're declaring even 700 years before Messiah ever came, that the earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. They have a prophetic, um, they, they have this prophetic perspective looking into who God is and they're not concerned about how dark it is in the earth in the year that King Isaiah died. They're looking at God and the sound of their worship is shaking the doorposts in heaven and more glory is coming into the earth. Oh my, my. And so my heart and what I believe God is raising up in this last hour is people that are not afraid. They're, they're not too busy. And see, the, the, the issue that you see in this, in this story is that Isaiah actually gets distracted by how evil he is and by how evil everybody around him is. And he begins to complain and he needs to have his lips touched with fire. So that his words, his lips would begin to agree with what's on heaven's heart, not with what's going on in the earth. And I think in this last hour, Kaz, we can get so distracted by how dark and, and if we believe the scriptures, it's going to continue to escalate until the coming of our Messiah, that it's going to get darker. But God wants a people that actually have a, pro, 
prophetic perspective of what's happening on heaven's heart, not how dark it is in the earth, and our and, and our love grows cold, as Jesus said. The increase of wickedness produces loveless hearts. But he wants to raise us up with him like he did with Isaiah. Touch our lips with fire and change our language. Change oh our words coming out of us and to declare what has always been on his heart and to burn in his fire like the seraphim. And so I believe worship in, in this Davidic generation, this last day's army is, is not afraid to approach as close to the fiery God as he is and to burn with him and to let our lips be touched with fire and to prophesy hope faith and the plan on God's heart that no matter how dark it gets in the last moment, on the other side of this is a king coming on a white horse with oh fire in his eyes. And this is what's on God's heart for this hour. My, my, my. You know, it reminds me of a scripture, uh, Chris Humphrey, and that is, consider him who suffered such great contradiction of sinners against himself, lest we also may suffer in our own mind. So one of the things that our, our challenge is, when, you know, we know Jesus went through it, and our tendency is to say, he went through it, it's a done deal. But sometimes being called to be his bride or his body, there are elements of this thing we need to experience ourselves so we can have the same uh, vitality that Jesus uh, did in his death, burial, resurrection that we can do as we uh, face these things ourselves, And so we need to consider the, the contradictions that he faced of sinners against himself. And then all of a sudden we become empowered and we are empowered be, by being his army, not just some random uh, person that's just kind of hiding out. Uh, when we're called, we duck out and we do a little, uh, you know, we, we shoot a pop gun and we go back into our hiding. We are his army and we need to identify with his, his empowerment as, you know, he's the captain of the host. That's very remarkable. Yeah. I, I love it, Chris. We've got yeah, about a minute left in this segment. How would you like to close this and prepare for the next segment? I think God with this end time worship army, Kaz, he's raising up a people that understand warfare is different than what humans see warfare is. Our warfare, when all is said and done, is our ability to take our eyes off of the demonic realm and try to war the way he wants us to war and to actually engage in worship, adoration, praise, and let God reign and sit enthroned upon our praise and our ability to hope in a hopeless situation, to, to have faith in, a, in, in a, a scary situation. And warfare is different in the kingdom than what we know on earth. And that's what God is raising up right now. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself, my friend. My listening friend, I hope you're stirred by the insights of Chris. Chris Murphy, and you can just tell he's Im embedded in the content of worship, but it's not just a worship of uh, just reading the directions on how to sing this song and how to deliver this communication. It is a matter of being uh, in, in, in invested and fused with the heart of God, and through that empowerment, all of a sudden, God through you is your hope of glory. It's also your hope of victory. We're going to talk more about these things when Chris Murphy and I come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Greg Hendricks, Rock Church, East County. God is doing a wonderful work in the city of San Diego and all over the world. He's uniting the hearts of the people, but most importantly, he's drawing us back to what our original purpose is, to love each other. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. 
one of my favorite topics we're discussing today. <laughs> I love it. My listening friends, I want uh, you to welcome back to the show the author of The End Time Worship Army, Choosing a Life of Worship that Changes Cities and Nations. Now we're really getting into the good stuff of how God is going to use his burning ones, his loving bride, to actually accommodate the change in cities and nations. But first, those cities and nations have to start with our own life, our lifestyle, and the community in which we're involved before we can impact people outwards, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the outer uttermost parts of the earth. So uh, God's got work for us to do uh, within ourselves, and then he launches us from there outward. Uh, Chris Humphrey, I'm going to hand the baton to you and take it wherever you want in this segment. Yeah, thank you so much, Kaz. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> I know we could go forever, so it's just amazing. But yeah, I mean, the next the, the next uh, phase, I think, is probably, um, for me, it's becoming the, this, not even a new message, but something that now I am fueled for until Jesus comes back as an end-time messenger in my heart is this desire inside of God's heart, the Father, to have a bride made ready for His Son, Yeshua. That is ultimately... I believe one of the things that the church has done so well over the past 30 or 40 years is, is introducing, uh, removing the orphans, you know, the orphaned heart um, into identity as sons and daughters, which I think is, it's so important for us to know our relationship to the father. But I think equally what's, what's important to the father, because it's what he's been doing from the beginning and it's what he's going to, come back, send his son back for, and that we know our identity as the bride of our Messiah, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And one of the things that has fueled my heart this last hour is Revelation twenty-two seventeen, one of the very last scriptures in our Holy Bible that we call the sacred word of God is this picture of a bride that has made herself ready. And at the end of the age is actually in agreement together with the Holy Spirit himself. And it says the spirit and the bride say, come. And so it's like, there's, you, you see through the book of revelation, this, this great mystery of the church, this great mystery that has been hidden from generations past that is now being made known of Christ and the church. And you see this bride making herself ready through the greatest, darkest hour to be known to in humanity that a bride is making herself ready and has is is now come into agreement with the intercession of the Holy Spirit for Yeshua to come. In this dark hour, God is raising up a bride that is in agreement and is making intercession. I love to call it bridal intercession. Wow. Because ultimately, even, even before there was sin in the garden, and, and this is something that is fresh revelation to my heart that I can't help but, but continue to share, is before there was sin in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, you see God's plan revealed in Genesis 2 of a bride being coming forth from Adam and God putting Adam into a deep sleep, piercing his side, bringing forth a, a bride for the first son, as the scripture reveals, Adam as the first, you know, he, he was the God's first Adam. son. Yes. The first, you know, Jesus, you know, yeah, there's Jesus who's the second Adam, but Adam is a type of the son of God. And so even before there was sin in the world, God is revealing his plan for the end. It's, it's what we call in theology, the law of first mention, that what was God's original intention is seen in the genesis of our, of our scriptures 
you can you can catch glimpses of what's on his heart for the end. And even before sin was in the world, Kaz, God actually reveals his plan to have a bride for his for the son. Yes, yes. And I yes. think it's such such a beautiful revelation of what is ultimately and yes, the serpent went to Eve and it's all a picture of us being, you know, you know, that you know, Paul reveals it in Second Corinthians eleven about, you know, how bride how, how Eve was deceived and how, you know, Paul was disturbed for the church at that time, that the same way Eve was beguiled by Satan's subtleties, that we too would be deceived, that God has created us to be a chaste virgin, a chaste bride for the Son of God. And I think it's it, it's so imperative in this hour that we shift out of out of every other mantle that we have and actually put on the bridal garment at the end of the age, it, it, the, the scripture says that the father is going to send out his messengers and say, the wedding supper is ready. Stop what you're doing and come out to meet the bridegroom. And and Jesus reveals in a parable that there's going to be people that make excuses because they're too busy doing healthy, normal, everyday stuff. One guy says, I just purchased a, a piece of land. Please have me excused. Another says, Hey, you know what? I just married a wife. Have me excuse. These are healthy things that in, in an, at the hour that it was imperative for them to know that the wedding supper is ready. They were too busy doing normal everyday stuff and they didn't, they, they didn't stop what they were doing and come out to meet the bridegroom. My and way. I think in this hour where it's so necessary at the end of the age that we, 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 we remove every other garment, every other hat, every other, um, ministry, whatever, whatever we're doing, and to actually begin to engage in the intercession that has been on the Holy Spirit's heart. Sometimes we're so busy praying for the Holy Spirit to come into our meetings that we have, we we, we have, don't realize He's already here and He's praying for Jesus to come. <laughs> Very nice. You know, and so, so you know, in, in our in our churches, you know, we Holy Spirit is here and He is making intercession according to the will of God. But at the end of the age, we see this amazing picture that we can agree with even now to actually become a bride that has made herself ready in this last hour of human history to actually make intercession with the Holy Spirit according to the Father's will for the for the for Jesus Yeshua to come and to have a bride for Himself. Wow. I got a revelation when you were saying that. We you talked about in the back end of the book of Revelation and the spirit of the bride say come. How does the bride say come? How how does the bride say come? That God inhabits the praises of his people. By praise and yes. worship, we're actually not only beckoning him to come, we're kind of like a magnet to draw him to us. Not only Father God and Holy Spirit God, but God the Son as well. I mean, it's a trifecta. It's us worshiping and praising Him, and all of a sudden He inhabits our praise, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, the heavens must receive Him or hold Him back until the time of restoration spoken of by God's holy prophets. But this is this is that this is what was spoken by the holy prophets that the Spirit and the yeah. Bride say, "Come," and there is going to become a time on God's clock, my friend, which I think is just a few more ticks away from getting away getting into that time frame we just need to be absolutely ready right chris amen amen yes sir and that's what i believe that's what i believe the importance of the rebuilding of the tabernacle of david in the last hour is that god is raising up worshipers and lovers and is making a bride ready in those chambers of intimacy of worship adoration and praise yes and so that's, that's, we, we take off every other garment and, and God is raising up. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And it's not about prayer meetings. 
and you know because that can become just as as formally outward dead works as the the, the tabernacle of David is. There's a tabernacle that's not made with human hands, but it's he's formed and fashioned this tabernacle made by the Lord Himself, a dwelling place for God on the earth. And why I believe the prophetic picture of the tabernacle of David in the last hour is the birthing center for a bride <laughs> to come into alignment with the Holy Spirit and make intercession according to the Father's will, not according to whatever we think is on God's heart for this hour. No matter what nation we live in, we can be so distracted with with the, 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 the agenda that's at hand that needs to be prayed about, that we're, we're getting out of alignment with God's original will and purposes to have a bride ready for the son. And that bride actually becomes an intercessor to actually to long so much for the, for King Jesus, that, that, that Jesus himself is, is listening over the, the corridor of eternity and finally says, Father, they really do want me. Can I go back now? <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you, Chris Humphrey, author of The End Time Worship Army and uh, Choosing a Life of Worship that Changes Cities and Nations. I think it was very profound that you shared the scriptures talking about, you know, I have married a wife and I cannot come. I have you know, I have my yoke of oxen and I have to go try them or, or, or you know, um, yeah, I forgot what the other one was. The uh, um, I've married a wife and I cannot come uh, property. And uh, there was one other one other uh, accolade that he five five yokes of oxen yeah. about five yokes of oxen yeah. Yeah. so the 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 and the all these things were very appropriate in their time, uh, but but the but the but the point of the matter is the the time that time is giving way to the time of the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of the yes. kingdom and it's our obligation to prepare uh, ourselves and everybody around us for the coming of the king. Uh, Messiah, son of David. Uh, take about a minute to close this segment. I want you to speak into the hearts and uh, lives of our listeners. I tell you because I think you're striking a chord here. You're you're you're, you're striking a chord, and and we need to change our way of thinking. You know, the way we used to do church was okay back then, but now it is time for the gospel of the kingdom, and this message has to be tied to intimacy with God and worship. Therein, so it's take about a minute or so, and then we will close this segment and prepare for the summary segment following. Yeah, absolutely, Kaz. You know, I just would encourage people this opportunity that is given to us, and this you, you guys are a called and a chosen generation to usher in the second coming of our Messiah, and we can't do business as usual. It is time for us to embrace being a bride that is so in love with Jesus, the bridegroom King, that our burning love is actually going to attract our King to come back. And I encourage every one of us to fall in love again. Don't go through the rote motions of just church as normal. I've done this. I've done ministry. I've done this for years. Let the fire of God burn inside of you again. Fall in love with Jesus all over again and become a bride that makes intercession and becomes a, an intercessor that Jesus will come and abide in your love and adoration for him. My, my. And I just speak that in Jesus name. My listening friend, uh, Chris Humphrey and I are going to put a period at the end of this rather elongated sentence we've done for the, this two hours. And he's going to put a summary statement together and you need to be prepared because this is the closing statement, as you say, uh, to actually crystallize everything that you've been hearing and we're going to spend this last segment to do that when Chris Humphrey, the author of the End Time Worship Army, and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K Praise. 
Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Wow, wow, wow. And you may quote me frontwards or backwards. What a remarkable show. And the topic is Davidic worship. Uh, How do we get there, but how do we not only get there, but how do we dwell there? How do we make this part of our life, lifestyle, and character because we're emulating God's character in so doing? My co-host for the entire two hours has been Chris Humphrey, and we're at the last segment here. And uh, the book title we've been referring to is The End Time Worship Army, Choosing a Life of Worship That Changes Cities and Nations. And God has this in store for you, but you just have to come alongside of him. And, you know, as he speaks to you, just listen and obey, and it will be embedded in worship and praise of him. So, Chris Humphrey, I'm going to hand it to you to close this entire show. But before we do, remind our listeners of how they can get a copy of your book, The End Time Worship Army. Chris Humphrey. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Kaz. Um, you know, somebody would want a signed copy. I don't have problems doing that. They can go to our website, uh, nightanddayglobal.org. Uh, just go to contact us. We've yet to establish a store on there. It's a new new website. Um, you could contact us that way, and we could send. Would love to send you a signed copy, or you can just go to um, to Amazon.com. Um, my name is Chris Humphrey, C H R I S H U M P H R E Y, and the book title "End Time Worship Army." Easy to find. Um, you can find it also in the digital form um, on iTunes or any ebook form, whatever form platform that you use. Um, definitely, is is you'll find it um, in, in many different platforms out there. So. Very good, Chris. You know, we, you know, looking at life where it is right now, we are facing things we've never faced before, and even natural and supernatural dangers we've never seen before. And the only solution is God and God in us, our hope of glory, our hope of victory. So I'm going to hand it off to you and help people get from here to there. There's a, a lot of things that we uh, uh, introduced in this two-hour show, and I want you to use this as a springboard in how to get from where we are to where God wants us to be. Chris? Yeah, absolutely, Kaz. Um, I would just want to encourage listeners um, the power that you have individually, no matter who you are, no matter what trade you're in, that what you do in secret makes a difference. What you do when nobody's looking, your prayer life, your Sometimes just a groan in the middle of a day is is enough to actually get God's attention. And I use David again. This has been our heart cry that King David, before he was a king, he was a a forgotten brother in a sheep field in the middle of, of the night on a small little harp singing songs to God. And this one man saturated himself in worship and prayer and just simply decided to love God regardless in a, in a dark hour in Israel's history, one man's life of intimacy with Yahweh almighty actually got God's attention. And God chose this man who was, who was a small ready man to become the, 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 the resting place of, of, 
the son of God, Jesus, Yeshua, a man that made mistakes. He was, you know, he made many mistakes, but his love for God in the secret place got heaven's attention and God chose to use this man. And so I want to speak that to every man, woman, and children out there that are listening to this, that your prayer life, your devotion, your love for God actually can get heaven's attention and become a dwelling place in your city in this nation, it doesn't matter how dark it's getting. Stop listening to the news and of, of, of what's happening in this nation and start reading the good news of the gospel, because the good news of the gospel tells us that God will have a people in the last hour that have said no to every other desire and said yes to him. And in that yes to him, he will literally shake the earth. He will shake everything that can be shaken. He will have a bride made ready. And this bride will join together with the Holy Spirit at the end of the age. And I just, I say this to everybody listening, you guys, that it doesn't matter what you think of how insignificant your life is. I have learned about Yahweh that the most insignificant moments are actually in heavens. And we will look back on that day and realize some of our insignificant little whimpers of cries in our secret place will be what changed the destiny over cities, regions, and nations. I'm convinced of that. Our big stages, our big stadiums, they're amazing. They're incredible. But when we get to the other side and the books are open, you will realize that your small cries would seem like in your lonely moments is actually what changed the course of history over America, over the nations of the earth. Many of us, God is looking for a global bride. And so I just speak that this message of the end time worship army is not just a book I wrote. It's a message that burns inside of me that I am willing to die and to give my life for Jesus to help make a people ready and to stop looking at stages and platforms as the gateway for to be successful, but to start getting on their knees and in the in this in the prayer closet and realize that the reward of God, Jesus said, what you do in secret, the Father will reward you openly. And what is the Father's reward? Yeshua, the Son, Jesus, <laughs> the Messiah. He is our great reward. He told Abraham in his own secret place, I am your reward. Now, doesn't matter how rich you get, Abraham. Doesn't matter how much riches you you you're the most famous man that Israel will ever know, but I am your reward. And God is raising up a people in this hour that are done with platforms, stages, titles, popularity, and fame, and becoming like John the Baptist to, to give up the opportunity to be a priest in his nation and to go into the wilderness to burn, to be a burning light for a generation that needs the gospel. They need the truth. They need to see burning people that are in love with Yeshua so that they will come in the darkest hour that we're about, we are already entering into the last hour. We are indeed. And so I speak this, encourage everyone listening, that you matter, your voice matters when nobody's looking. And when you get to eternity, you'll realize your, what seemed like a whimper in your secret place is the, is the gateway to an outpouring of God that made your city ready for the coming of Messiah. My, my. Chris Humphrey, you've uh, spoken to our listeners. Now I would uh, invite you in the minute left in the show to speak into us. In other words, you've, you've prayed over us and you've, you've commented over us and taught us. Now I want you to speak this into us as in declaring it over us, you know, as God uh, spoke and he and let there be light and there was light. I want you to speak the creative uh, Genesis, the creative uh, inspiration Holy Spirit has within you. I want you to declare this into our listeners' ears and into their hearts in this remaining minute. My listening friend, take this seriously. 
Take this seriously. Your life is destined to change, but it's destined to change for the better if you hear God, obey him, worship him, embrace him. I'm going to let you close this segment, Chris, and then I'll close the show. Take a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. So I just declare over everybody listening right now that the the fire of God is going to burn upon you. The fiery presence of Almighty God. And it's more than just an experience. It is the fire of who he is. And when you draw near to him, he will draw near to you and set you on fire. He will set you on fire like John the Baptist. He will set you on fire like the revivalists of old. I just declare over you a fresh fire of God, not a Pentecostal experience or whatever whatever we want to call it, of, 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 of a theological thing, but an actual fire of God that, that fell on the apostles in the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I declare this over you. I declare a heart that burns for God that no matter what you go through, you will never give up. You will let the fire of God consume every other desire out of you, and you will walk and burn for Jesus in this last hour, and your burning will become a light for many like John the Baptist. They will enjoy, they will come into the burning of who you are because you are burning for him, and you will point them to Yeshua. And I just speak this over everybody listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, author of the End Time Worship Army, Chris Humphrey. Thank you for spending two hours with me. It went very quickly, but my listening friend, I know it is paying a dividend. Listen, hear God's Holy Spirit, and obey, and obey quickly. We're in times like never before, but God is forging an army like never before. And look in the mirror, that army member is Y-O-U. Chris, thanks for joining me, my listening friend. We have more of this kind of thing happening on Come Together San Diego all the time. See you next week. And thank you, Chris. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Indeed. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise.